Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Howard Beck coming up here momentarily. Sounds of the Week brought to you by RGS Exteriors. They will improve the curb appeal for your house with James Hardy Brickstone and Stucco Exteriors along with soffit fascia and rain gutters. Check them out at rgsutahsiding.com. We'll have the Not Sports Report coming up at 4.50. Our friend Keith Stubbs will join us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. You have a tease for Not Sports uh, today, Gordon? Uh, I got a couple things uh, cooking. Um, one of them has to do with luck, and the other one has to do with uh, with uh, just being stupid. Like bad luck, like Austin's bad luck. No, good luck, good luck, good luck. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, being stupid—that seems to fall right into the theme of the <laughs> of the segment. I'm sure it'll be inspiring, though. No doubt about it. All right, time for your daily assist, Austin. Hit it. It's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist. Featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show. Senior NBA writer for Bleacher Report, Howard Beck. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit sprint.com for online services and local store availability. From the Bleacher Report, our good friend Howard Beck. Hi, Howard. How are you? Doing all right, fellas. How are you? Hey, we're doing just fine, and we want to get into some NBA-related stuff, practice facilities opening, you know, maybe some future plans. But I understand you had a, a couple of doctors on your latest podcast, and, you know, curious what you're learning about the condition we're in. Well, yeah, and to be clear, they were Ph.D.-type doctors, not medical doctors. Okay, uh, right. But they're both, yeah, both, both epidemiologists, um, one uh, at the, from the University of Washington, Carl Bergstrom, who has uh, you know, he studies infectious disease control and has uh, a long history in this. He's written about uh, this, this particular crisis in a number of places. And the other one is uh, Zach Binney, who is at Emory University in Atlanta. And I wanted to have the two of them on just because, you know, every week, whether it's, you know, chatting with you guys or anyone, you know, every every discussion, of course, around the NBA eventually comes back, back to, okay, so when are we getting going? And, you know, the, the real question when you talk to epidemiologists is, is, of course, not really when you can do these things again. It's, it's, it's how. Um, you can't plan on a date. It's, it's, it's more about what are the conditions on the ground. And then you and I, or, or we three, have discussed this uh, at other times when we've come on. And the bottom line is, you have to get start reaching certain baselines, and, and, and it comes back to the very almost obvious, which is testing. It's the thing that we've been talking about since this whole crisis began. And so until there is the, the access to testing universally, not just for the NBA, but for everyone, and not just, again, not just frontline workers, not just healthcare professionals, but everybody, um, that's when you can start to resume more uh, – general activity around our country, period. and applies to the NBA, that applies to other sports, it applies to everything. And so um, 
you know, the the question of when can the NBA come back, it depends on the conditions. And the discussion I had with the two epidemiologists on, on my podcast was, you know, more about, you know, how soon are we going to get to the point where there's enough testing available? And that's something that nobody really has the answer to. Um, not at the local level, not at the federal level. Nobody can really say why we don't have the, the capacity that we should have by now, considering how long we've, we've been in this. It, 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 we should be further along. And that's a frustration to everybody in the medical community, of course. So um, there, there is no easy answer. I would just say this, the, the fact that practice facilities in, for some teams in some cities are sort of opening, but with a ton of restrictions, I don't think anybody should read anything into that. You know, don't, this is not step one toward the NBA coming back. I mean, it is in a literal sense. You know, practice facilities have to come back before you can even dream of an NBA season resuming. But just because there are a handful of them opening and with limited access and only four players at a time and, you know, no interaction beyond somebody out there maybe rebounding for you, um, it's really more about the NBA would rather have its players at its own facilities where they control the environment, all the, the supervision, cleaning things up, who comes and who goes, all of that the NBA can control. But if you just say, well, the gyms, are, you know, our, our facilities are still closed, then players are going to be tempted to go to local high schools or the 24-hour fitness or wherever, and those are not places the NBA can account for the environment and the cleanliness, the hygiene, and who else is coming and going and how safe it is. So it's more about just giving their players a a, a gym with uh, weight room and baskets to shoot at and other, you know, uh, just equipment, other other resources, and, and doing it in a way that the NBA believes is safe. So it is a baby step at best. So going from the baby step to a giant leap forward, did you talk with the epidemiologists at all about this so-called expedited vaccine? Uh, did they have any thought on how long that might take? Well, there's obviously, look, there, there's, I can't remember how many different um, uh, efforts are going on around the world to try to speed toward a vaccine. But the process for getting a vaccine tested and approved and in mass circulation It's a long time, and even if you find something that works, you still have to have some test groups to see, are there side effects? Um, How does it affect people of of various age or other health conditions? You just just don't know. It's not as simple as as a bunch of guys getting in the lab, um, cooking this thing up, and then saying, okay, we're good to go. It's not that simple. Um, here's, Here's another way of looking at it. When I asked the two epidemiologists, uh, Carl Bergstrom and Zach Binney, when, when will we see fans back? Because that's the last thing that's going to happen, right? Sports will return first without fans. And when fans come back, that will be the indication that we as a society are back to normal or as close to normal as we're going to get in the near term. And I said, when, when are fans back? And the answer was at least 12 months from now. Mm. Um, so that's mid-2021. And when fans come back, it probably means that's around the time that we are hoping we might have a vaccine in mass circulation, mass availability. And that's a year away. Um, and, and people have been saying all along the vaccine is, is a, you know, a year to a year and a half. 
So what, whatever people talk about, you know, expedited this, expedited, I, yeah, you can you can try, you can expedite approvals once you find something that seems to work, but there's still a lot of risk that can be baked into that if you don't test these things uh, in, in, in a, you know, a, a comprehensive manner. Um, so yeah, it's there's there's just no telling. There, there's the, not even the the, the most uh, studied of the experts could tell you exactly when we're going to have a vaccine. Only what the normal timeline would be. You know, we've talked a lot about the bubble solution, right, uh, in Orlando or Vegas or whatnot. It looks like Major League Baseball is pursuing maybe even playing home games and in stadiums uh, and uh, not in front of fans, obviously. But it seems to me that that's, that would be increasingly more difficult. What's your, your reaction to that idea floated out? I'm sorry, to, to doing what? To playing in, in, you know, as opposed to the bubble, Major League Baseball has, has talked about, like, a Dodgers playing a home game just in front of no fans, right? Or still playing in right. these facilities just without fans. And it seems like getting the states to coordinate like that would be really, really difficult to me. Just me. I, it seems like the bubble would be more likely to pull off. But just the, your thoughts on the idea of still being able to play home games. Home games are difficult because you're talking about travel now. Now you're right. talking about you know an entire roster, whether it's baseball, basketball, whoever. The entire roster of players, plus coaches, managers, you know, all the other support staff, now getting on a plane. So you're just increasing all the variables. You're increasing the number of people who could possibly be exposed, uh, and then traveling to another city, and then having to come back again. They're obviously going to take private charters and, and not um, commercial planes, but still, I think the more bodies you put in move in motion, going city to city, is you're just increasing the risk of transmission. And again, what people need to remember and keep in mind with all of this, because I always hear this: "Oh, they're athletes. They're young. They're healthy. They have nothing to worry about. Even if they got it, it's no big deal." It is a big deal, um, and you still don't want to have athletes catch it, no matter how great a condition they're in, because, one, they're still learning about this, this virus. There's still a lot they don't know, and some people are coming out of this. People who were otherwise healthy beforehand are coming out of it with lingering lung damage or other damage internally. You may not come out of it with the same level of health you had before, even if you're in your 20s or 30s. So there's that unknown and that risk, um, which, you know, for a pro athlete, and this is something we talked about on the podcast, uh, for a pro athlete, that could cost them not just their health, but millions of dollars if, uh, if their health is permanently impaired after going through this. But the other part, of course, which is the, the greater issue that has created the situation where we're all distancing in the first place, is if you expose yourself and you're, whether you get a mild version, whether you're asymptomatic, whatever it may be, you are now somebody who could be carrying it and passing it on to somebody who is much more vulnerable. And so, again, the reason you don't want home games and teams flying all over the country is because it's just adding to the increased contact with more people and more risk of transmitting uh, this disease at a time that we're trying to contain it. And so I just don't think it's that likely that we're going to see teams in any sport doing a lot of traveling. It's, it's, it's not even a bubble concept. The bubble suggests that nobody stays or, or, leave, or nobody uh, comes and goes. 
and you're all just, you know, kind of virtual hostages. It's more a matter of find one location and get all your teams that are playing there because that way you have limited the daily contact and all the interactions that would go with a normal schedule of, of travel. Howard, sorry to take this from the health side to the more crass side of money, but do you know where the division is between how much clubs make from the gate versus how much they make from TV dollars? Because a lot of people have suggested some sort of setup where the games would be televised without people in the stands. Where's that dividing line? Do you know? I couldn't tell you the exact percentage, but the majority of, of the league's revenue uh, is coming from the national and local TV contracts. And so playing without fans is going to certainly cost them quite a bit, but it's still viable. Um, and, and not only that, they don't really have a choice. Because as we talked about earlier, fans aren't coming back. And, and, that, and that's the thing. The NBA could, under certain circumstances, find a way to stage games with no fans. But if they want to have fans... That's not even in their control because cities and states have still on the books other restrictions on mass gatherings. Even as we're seeing these slow reopenings where, you know, restaurants or barbershops or bowling alleys or whatever else are coming back, anywhere that, you know, that uh, still has restrictions, and I think most places do, on mass gatherings, however they define mass, 50 or more, 100 or more, 200 or more, those are places where you're not going to have an NBA game with fans. You're just not going to fill up an arena. So the NBA, is it, it, it's a certainty. Let me just put it that way. It is an absolute certainty that when the NBA plays its next game, it will be without fans. And I think it is highly likely and almost certain that we're going to be seeing games without fans for several months and probably into the next calendar year. Howard Beck with us from the Bleacher Report. All right, Howard, I'm going to hit you with a question that could make you extraordinarily popular around here or quite controversial. Who should have made the 92 Dream Team, John Stockton or Isaiah Thomas? <laughs> it's, I, listen, I don't mind um, answering the controversial question when no matter what kind of hot water might get me into under most circumstances. <laughs> I will tell you, as somebody who was not covering the league back then, who was uh, far removed from the NBA uh, and, and, and this whole career? Um, I, I don't know. I, I like. I can't. I, you, you know, that's a great question for Jack McCallum and you know Mark Heisler and a lot of the old guard that covered the Dream Team. Um, my, you know, my sense of it all is, is all purely through what I've seen and read. Um, I, I, I don't. I, I seriously just do not have a strong opinion on it. I do think that Isaiah Thomas's resume suggests that he probably should have been on there, if not for his uh, unpopularity, if that's even a word, his lack of popularity amongst uh, his peers. And I, I do think, from everything I've seen and read from the guys who were there around, you know, around that time and covered it all, that Jordan wasn't the only one opposed to him. And that there was just a general sense that it, things would be, you know, it, it wouldn't have been, the camaraderie wouldn't have been as strong if Isaiah had been there. But on the merits, of course he deserves to be there. At the expense of who? I mean, look, the, the easy answer on this one is Christian Leitner shouldn't have been on there in the right. first place. Like, what are you doing? Like, the <laughs> idea that they were the, finally moving to, to NBA players instead of college players, but they still wanted the one token college player to, you know, appease whatever, the sentimentalists or the people who were not fully on board with the idea of pro players, whatever it was. I mean, that that's the easy solution. 
I think Howard just exited stage left on that one. Although, <laughs> don't blame your, him. Your response there is absolutely correct. I, I agree with you. I think both Stockton and Isaiah should have been on that team. But I wonder, speaking of Christian Leitner, I wonder how his game would have translated to the more modern times. Howard, he seems like he would have been more useful nowadays. Yeah, back then he was, you know, he would have been looked at as, as you know, kind of a, a softer big. And, and now that we're playing, you know, the NBA is playing more of a, a skill game um, where bigs are, are not, you know, they don't, they don't have to be big and bulky to be able to bang, you know, down low, you know, and, and scrap and, and fight. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure Leitner would have, would have, you know, been a lot better in today's game. But, you know, there are a bunch of guys back then, like the like Rafe LaFrance, um you know, I, I think there are like a bunch of guys who are like, you know, the, the you know, kind of skinnier, jump shooting, uh, you know, tall enough to maybe protect the rim a little bit, but step out and shoot. Like there, there are plenty of guys from I think you know previous generations who would uh, who would have made out a lot better today. Howard, as always, thank you very much for dropping by and sharing a little wisdom. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank you. That's the great Howard Beck from the Bleacher Report, uh, your NBA Daily Assist. We do it each and every Friday. Well, with, with Howard, we have him on each and every Friday. It makes me wonder how many points or what, how, how under this, these conditions now Mehmet Okur would be utilized. Right. And how many shots he would get up compared to what he did back in the day. It would be different. It seems like he was a bit before his time. I, there are a lot of players like that, though, if you, if you think back about it. Who else fits into that category? Oh, uh, Sam Perkins. Sam Perkins didn't didn't Scott Pollard shoot a bunch of threes, or am I thinking of somebody else? Oh man, I sat down and talked with Scott Pollard once for a long time. I wish I should know the answer to this question, but I I've forgotten. Isn't he from here or something? He had family here, I believe, at some point. Is that what it was? Yeah, he was an interesting dude, man. I mean, he had all kinds of stuff banging around in his head. I'm trying to uh, quickly. Uh, uh, he was born in Murray, Utah. And I don't remember him stretching it out too much. No, he did not. I, I don't know who I'm thinking of, but it certainly was not Scott Pollard. Uh, Who's in the fact, dude? I don't think he has one attempt in his entire career. Who's the dude who punished the Jazz year after year after year? Oh, Linus Klaza? No, before that. Uh, maybe one of our listeners can help us out in that regard. His name is failing me right now. But Sam hurt the Jazz, but there was that other that other dude. I think he played for uh, – his name's failing me. But there's another guy out there that just absolutely torched the Jazz year after year from, from, from deep. All right, uh, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, our good friend Tom from the warehouse. Two locations for you, 86 East University Parkway in Orem, 1967 South, 300 West in Salt Lake, uh, Salt Lake City. Tom, hello. Hey, I had another listener come in and ask me about, uh, I hear all about these adjustable beds. What are the benefits? So real quickly, some of the benefits of adjustable beds is they will help alleviate sleep apnea, asthma, snoring. They help with insomnia. They help it, uh, enhance your circulation. They help with leg swelling. They give you a little bit of independence. So let's say it's for your mother and she's in her 80s or 90 years old. It's going to help her get out of bed. They can help lessen acid reflux, heartburn. 
How about to relieve arthritis and chronic pain by adjusting it to where you have less pain? And lifestyle, uh, it's the greatest thing. And so I've been promoting them for several years, and we are the lowest price that I know of in the country. For sure, we're the lowest price in Utah. And we've got the queen set, four ninety nine for an adjustable bed with the mattress. And now that's cheaper than the mattress normally is, and the adjustable bed is normally four ninety nine for this model. I'm giving the entire package half price, four ninety nine. But that's not all. We have a special king for Mother's Day, a solid king adjustable bed with a gel-infused memory foam mattress, only $999. And I'm going to extend it. I mentioned it yesterday. Anybody who mentions the zone, you can mention Gordon, you can mention Jake, you can mention Austin, because that is the big show right there. We'll give you your choice, either free sheets or free mattress protector with any adjustable bed set. Come and see us. I'm at the Orem store all day today and all day tomorrow. 86 East University Parkway, and in Salt Lake, 1967 South, 300 West. We are the warehouse. Boom. That's right. Tom, thank you very much, sir. We appreciate you. The world-famous Tom from the warehouse. Take advantage of those unbelievable deals. Best in town, 1967 South, 300 West, 86 East, University Parkway there in Orem. Stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Big thanks to Howard Beck for jumping on with us today. Always appreciate Howard. We'll get that up at uh, 1280thezone.com. I've got a quick story for you, Gordon. I told the Earl Thomas story yesterday that uh, where a situation got uh, way out of hand. You ready for uh, one of those today? Sure. Do you remember Shannon Brown played a long time in the NBA? Yes. I think he's like uh-huh. a two-time NBA champ, if I'm not wrong. Uh, let's see. Played from... Yeah, thanks to Kobe. Yeah, exactly. Played from 06 to uh, 2015. Okay. Well, uh, get this. Uh, This is uh, according to uh, TMZ. All right. Two individuals were out in the Tyrone, Georgia area looking around for houses to buy, Gordon. And they saw a house with a for sale sign on it. The individuals went up through an open gate uh, and they... uh, they say they were let in the door. They were greeted by two individuals who told them to come in. And then all of a sudden they were greeted by Shannon Brown, the former NBA player who confronted them and then uh, eventually agreed to let them go. He confronted them with a gun, Gordon. Oh. And uh, by the time they were leaving, Brown fired five to six shots at them. Wow. Imagine these people who are just like, hey, yeah, we'd like to take a look. What's the square footage? Uh, yeah, let's. is the kitchen roomy? And then all of a sudden somebody comes at you with a gun? Like, Reach wait, guy. wait, we're not trespassing, I swear. We'll put the kitchenette there. <laughs> we were just looking at the moldings. There's no need to get upset. I don't oh, know if it was Shannon's you house. Know, I don't know if I like this chandelier. What? <laughs> I don't know if, she, if if he lived there, if he was confused. I don't know. But these people, I think, just wanted to, you know, poke around. We're interested in moving into the neighborhood. 
uh, and uh, were chased out of the home by a guy wielding a gun, firing shots at them. Well, I'm telling you right now that I ain't buying that house. Nope. Nope. Mm, mm, mm. Moving on. You know what? I'd probably... Why the value just dropped? True. <laughs> I'd probably reconsider the neighborhood, too. Not to, ah. not to judge the neighbors or anything, but, you know, if I get shot at in the neighborhood, I'm probably looking somewhere else. I'm telling you, though, walking into someone's house like that, you know, I, I, I feel uncomfortable under any circumstances. But, I mean, you just, you always hesitate, don't you? Even if you're, it seems like the coast is clear. Coast is clear. They're they're showing a home. <laughs> it was listed. <laughs> Did you see a sign? The idea here is you want people to come see. They were let Not in. anymore. <laughs> Yes. Ooh, look at the look at the entryways. Just beautiful. Look at the look at the woodwork. Oh, hey, hey there, sir. No, I swear we're just looking at. <laughs> Reach for the sky, Marvin. Not here to steal anything. Pulls out a gun. You say, okay, I'll pay the extra hundred grand. I ain't leaving the fridge. I got the closing costs. I got it. It's on me. It's all right. It's all we'll good. We'll pay for the inspection, hey, okay? All right, all right. Hey, easy. Don't worry, want? I'm using homie. I'm not shaking you down for the <laughs> closing costs, I swear. Have you ever sold a house, Jake? Uh, no, actually, I have not. It's not always the most fun thing, you know, having people come into your home. But obviously, It doesn't seem fun, no. No, but I mean, you, if, if you, if you want to sell or you you, you got to sell, because you're leaving or whatever, job requirements or whatever it is, I mean... You do it, but it sure is nice when it's done in a way that you don't feel like you're, you know, you got you got you got to keep the place immaculately clean at all times. You know, you got to refrain just, from pulling a gun on the customers. <laughs> it's just, wear pants. I mean, it's so difficult. <laughs> you got to wear pants around the house. You know, I I was in sales uh, uh, briefly. You know, and I but I haven't been in sales in a long, long time. But I got to imagine. Uh, pointing a gun at the customer is never a good way to, or maybe it's the ultimate way to close the sale. I don't know. Uh, when but, you're in a pinch, <laughs> when you got a deadline sale, but uh, I don't think these two no, are going we're to not be buying. Encouraging it. No, I don't think these two are going to be buying Shannon's home anytime soon. Did it describe what the neighborhood was like? No, no, it didn't. I mean, he's a former NBA player. I think he'd live in a in a nice neighborhood i don't know what what if they really liked the house though and the price that they're still like okay fine we'll, well do it I, I, we don't I care mean, oh come on these these actually things like this happen <laughs> that's right <laughs> who <laughs> hasn't made look. a mistake or two jake <laughs> so no, wait he was actually firing the gun at them that's, it says brown fired five to six shots at them jeez uh, let's see. The spokesman says when uh, cops investigated, they found one shell casing in the area and eventually arrested the former NBA player for aggravated assault. Sheesh. He was ba- bonded out of jail on May 4th. Tell you this, the next house I go see, I'm going prepared myself. <laughs> I have like a shield or something, like riot gear. <laughs> well, I don't know who's inside this door. It'll make you think twice, though, wouldn't it? You know, walking by a house being like, oh, a for sale. This looks nice. It's in let's our budget. Go, let's go knock on the door. How many felonies one, might be committed against us here? One time I was thinking of buy a house and uh, the, our realtor took us to this place where the whoever had been living there was not expecting us to come in. And they weren't home. But I'm telling you, that thing looked like a bomb went off in the laundry uh, basket in every room. I mean, there were clothes. They must have had 10 kids or something. 
because there were clothes, toys, junk all over that house. They didn't have those magic laundry baskets like you do, huh, Gordon? Yeah. No. You, you put it in there and it shows up clean and folded. Magically. It was, a, it was a beautiful house, but there was no way I was buying that house. That thing looked like... Did you uh, pull I mean, the owner aside? Seriously, you got to look into this this basket because it is amazing. It would really sell your house a lot faster for you. I think you. it's by Rubbermaid. If you got one of these, but and it's I've, remarkable. I found, here, here's the kicker. I found out later that the house was owned by uh, a, a, ch- a child... Of a very, very famous Utah resident. The child of the famous Utah resident? Yes. You can't was brag it, about it unless you say who the resident was. Uh, I don't know, because I just described it that way. I think that might be a little unfair, because they didn't know we were going to come uh, see it. So I don't want to... Famous Utah... Was it Bob Redford's kid? It, uh, it was... You <laughs> can't no. beat Jesus. <laughs> it was neither of those two, but you would know. You would know who it is. Were they I'll related t- to the person I dumped seventy-five Dr. Peppers on? I will. Uh, I will tell you during the break, and then you tell me if you think it's appropriate that I say who it was. Was was it PK? Was the figure religious? I I am not going to give any details about uh, about anything, but I so will. So that's a yes. That's a I will. Yes for I sure. will run it. I will run it by you during the break. And didn't know the Pope said. lived here. I didn't either. <laughs> or had children. <laughs> All right. Uh, coming up next, uh, we'll get to the <laughs> it's a game changer right there. Wait, wait, report. wait! Apologize right now. <laughs> Who you for not telling? No, the Pope doesn't have children, does he? I don't think so just offended a bunch talking of talking about mark pope what are you talking about huh? oh okay stay tuned not sports Forgive board me next 97.5 and 1280 the zone check this out and now your not sports report on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. It is time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by our friends at the LHMU's Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online at lhmusecars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going to North Carolina, and we're going to Washington State. Okay. Uh, let's go with uh, let's go with the uh, the one from uh, Washington first. Apparently, a man there was in a Range Rover, and it was stolen. And somebody called the cops, and the guy tried to pull away and and outrace those who were in pursuit. But he had a problem. You know what the problem was? He had a boat attached to the back of the Range Rover on a trailer. Now... If you're going to try, now I would not suggest anybody try to elude the, the police officers. But if you're going to go on a chase, you might want to unhook the boat first. Well, unhook it probably didn't boat. have time to, you know, get out of the car. Time out. Time out. I got to unhook on, the boat. On. Hang yeah, on well, a second. May, I think maybe he was getting greedy and he wanted the boat too. You know, but 
That's a double. That, that's a double uh, uh, whammy there. You you you're not going to steal the car and the boat, especially if you find yourself in a pursuit. But he tried it, and guess what he did? He wrapped the car and the boat around some trees. Not a surprise. No, didn't work out his way at all. And then from North Carolina, there is that reminds me of a story. I told you that story when uh, when my dad was driving us down to uh, a river that came off the Chesapeake, and uh, we uh, we were trailering our boat down, and we he blew the back tire. The back tire blew out, and so we started swerving all over the road, and the boat swung around and was actually perpendicular to the car, and the boat flipped off the trailer and landed in the middle of the road. We've I've heard this story a hundred times. Let's it, move on. Maybe so, but it was uh, my whole family could have been uh, could have perished in that one. And uh, but uh, I was this. This is the good part of the story. One, when my dad turned around after he got control of the car, and the boat was in the middle of the highway. He got out of the car, and Austin, what did he say? No, nah, I don't remember. He said, "Great balls of fire." I'll never forget that. I thought that took great uh, self-restraint on his part not to let uh, anything more aggressive than that cross his lips. But this is the good part of that story. I couldn't believe how many people – I was quite young, but I I couldn't believe how many people stopped to help. It was – it was – restored my faith in in mankind. I love your stories, Gordon. Please tell another. Well, anyway, okay, so the other story, the other thing I had here was apparently a man had been playing the the Mega Millions lottery for years. For five years, he had favorite numbers that he would use, and he did the same numbers every time, waiting to win. What did he do this time? He had recently been to a Chinese restaurant, or he had... Uh, Chinese food. I don't know if he was eating out because of this situation we're all in these days. But he picked up some fortune cookies. And what he did was he took the random numbers off the fortune cookie, and that's what he put on the uh, the winning ticket, and he won $2 million. Wow. How about yeah. that? Not bad. Follow the Not advice of the, the fortune cookie. Yep. Yep. Do you uh, read your fortune cookies, and do you... Pay them any heed? I uh, read them, yes. Heed, no. Have you ever gotten a really good one? Not one that I remember off the top of my head. It sounds like you have, though. No. I mean, just the typical stuff. It's But it's the typical stuff that... Okay, answer me this. How are we supposed to think that something is meant for us if we pick it up randomly? Or is nothing in life random? Wow. Thank you for that. <laughs> well, uh, all I know I mean, about fortune this is going to change this guy's life, hopefully for mm. the better. He, I mean, he's a construction worker, he'll, he'll be, and now he's got $2 million. He'll be penniless in five years. That's how the lottery works. But all I know about fortune cookies is you have to finish reading the fortune before, or you have to finish eating the cookie before you finish reading the fortune or it won't come true. Does that make sense? That makes sense. The cookie has to be fully consumed before you read the fortune. Otherwise, it's it's obsolete. Who made that rule? Confucius. 
All right, because most people read it when the cookie's still in their mouth. And then they don't get their wish to come true. All right, well, there's there's a little wisdom to live by. Can I bring up a quick story on the Not Sports before beg we, of you. we get to Tom? <laughs> Is uh, it about a boat or a fortune cookie? You know, this, this it was story... It a nice boat, too, guys. I mean, it was a beautiful boat. And, you know, they say... Don't they say that the two best days for a boat owner are the day they buy it and the day, the day they sell it? I think they All do. Right. Go ahead. Uh, this I had a boat as a kid, and I'm just This isn't a particularly, like, noteworthy story other than one, one particular fact here, Gordon. All right, this is in uh, Washington, D.C., and uh, detectives from the Metropolitan Police Department's 5th District seek the public's assistance in identifying sus- suspects in reference to a robbery. It's a pickpocket type of situation offense that occurred Sunday, May 7th. And they give the address and, uh, and the approximate time. And then they show a um, surveillance camera picture of the, the perpetrators, Gordon. Yeah. And there you, you can see their entire face. In this world of, of coronavirus, if you are a burglar of any sort, why on earth wouldn't you be wearing a mask? Yeah, you would think so. Seems like a built-in uh, uh, benefit. In, in normal life, you walk around wearing a mask and somebody looks at you and you go, that dude's going to rob me. In today's day and age, you see somebody wearing a mask and you go, thank you very much, sir. You're doing it right, how could you social be, distancer. How could you be committing robberies without a mask? At very least, they've got to, like, see people on the street with masks, right? I think, you know, if I'm going to rob these people, I could be wearing a mask. So what sense only, does that make? <laughs> so, so not only is he stupid, he is uh, he's lacking social awareness and, and, and good health. It's actually a she, but interesting oh. you'd admit that, but or uh, assume that. But, yeah, I... I I don't think health has anything to do with it. I think this is just I think this is just smarts, right? This is burglar 101. Right. When you play uh, cops and robbers as a kid, the robbers wear masks. Right. And if I got to tell you when I walk into a store with a mask on, I do feel a little weird. Like, you know, like <laughs> like stores have you gone like into? you're going to rob the joint? Yeah, and that's a good point. What stores have you gone into? Well, well, theoretically. <laughs> <laughs> Unless there's a grocery store in the East Wing these days. I don't know. No, that food just appears in the cabinet It does. Somehow. It's magic. It's like the laundry. It's like the laundry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Keith Stubbs is coming up next. Stay tuned. Right now, let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us, of course, our good friend Tom from The Warehouse. Two locations for you, 1967 South, 300 West in Salt Lake, 86 East University Parkway there in Orem. And prices, uh, Tom, so low, it'll blow your mind. I have got uh, some deals that are beyond blow your mind. I was going to wait till next week to announce this, but I just got a phone call, and uh, our new website is up. We have an e-commerce website that's now available, mattressfurniturestore.com. Uh, you'll see all kinds of deals. Uh, you'll see everything that Ashley makes at the best prices in Utah guaranteed. Uh, so I'm excited to announce mattressfurniturestore.com, part of the warehouse family. How about uh, we do a deal in, or- in honor of Gordon? We did one yesterday, but this is that white 
Jake, you'll remember okay. that beautiful white with almost a driftwood, bleached wood bedroom set. This bedroom set is solid wood. It's not this cheap MDF or particle board. I have queen that I'm going to, this is insane. Queen bedroom set, real wood, solid wood. Dresser, a nightstand, and a queen bed, headboard, footboard, dreads, the entire deal, five ninety nine. If you want it in king, this is insane, seven ninety nine. To go with that, I'm going to do a Jake special. All right. And I've never done this. This is a deal that I have never done. Uh, Clayton came over to me and said, hey, we've got this dining room set, perfect for Mother's Day. This is either pub height, which would be the counter height or regular height, table and four chairs, beautiful big table uh, with four chairs. It's regular $9.99. I've got six of the pub height and 10 of the regular height, your choice, table and four chairs, three ninety nine. Normally the chairs would be like one forty nine each. This is an incredible deal. We've got deals all weekend long, perfect timing for Mother's Day. Whatever you need furniture wise, come and see us and of course mattresses and our new website, mattressfurniturestore.com. This is the warehouse. I'm in Orem. We also have the Salt Lake store. Come and see us. Boom. All right. Thank you, Tom. 86 East University Parkway there in Orem, 1967 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Our friend Keith Stubbs joins us coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone.